Hello, this is Bixby. Welcome to the Bixby Developers Chat Podcast. Here is your host, Roger Kibbe. Hello, Bixby Developer Chat listeners. Today, I have the honor of talking with Mark Tucker. Mark is very well known in the voice industry. He's a very skilled developer and Alexa champion, a Bixby premier developer, and is the creator of Speech Markdown. Welcome, Mark. Please introduce yourself. Thanks, Roger. Yeah, I'm happy for the chance to be here. I've been doing software design and architecture for over 25 years now. I'm a senior architect at Voice Technology at a company called Soar, as in Soar Like an Eagle. Our mission is to uplift humanity by helping every person find and live up to their strengths. You don't have to be a charismatic extrovert to lead. We feel that every person can lead with the strengths that they have. For example, my top five strengths are learner, harmony, connectedness, analytical, and deliberative. And you'll probably get to know me and see some of these strengths just as we talk today. So I'm intrigued by SOAR. Tell me a little bit more about what the voice experiences are that SOAR has. Yeah, so one of the things that we want to do is help uh, bring content that is uplifting to people and help them learn about what their strengths are and then reinforce those strengths. And so we're working on a product called SOAR Uplift. It's available currently in the Alexa marketplace and working on something for Bixby here as we proceed. And the idea is that you'll be able to upload your own personal content and then listen back to it on your voice assistant. And then we're working on uh, content that you can go ahead and share with whether it be family or you know, co-workers or teacher to students or uh, just some of the best speeches or uh, uplifting content, make that publicly available to everybody. Great. That sounds intriguing. I'm going to have to go check it out. So Mark, if I can rewind the clock a little bit, and I know you and I have known each other for, for a few years, a few yep. moons in voice. Can you tell where, when did you start developing for voice? Well, I guess there's two different ways to answer that. So technically, my journey in voice began in the early 1980s when I received my first home computer uh, as a Christmas gift. I stayed up all night learning how to uh, program basic, and that computer had a voice synthesis module and could speak about 80 words or phrases. Uh, so that was my very first text-to-speech experience. But fast forward to 2016, and that's when I discovered that Alexa existed and that I could program for it. I didn't know all of the <clears throat> technologies that I needed. I had no you know, um, cloud experience with Amazon. Uh, but And at the time, there was only about 3,000 skills in the marketplace. So it was it had started. I didn't catch the very beginning of it, but I did catch it early. And so then I just got interested in it. I started uh, studying and learning the things that I needed to. And I spoke at some local conferences and created code samples and posted it online, talked about it on social media, and I started the Phoenix Alexa Meetup. So those things all led to, uh, in 2017, me being selected as an Alexa champion. And uh, that opened up more opportunities and just got a lot more experience coding these voice experiences. And then we met up at Voice Summit again. So that's kind of where, where my path has taken me and the voice voice journey so far. All right. I got to ask you the early 80s question because clearly you and I are about the same age then. Uh, so was that an Atari or a Commodore 64? It was a Texas Instruments 99-4A. Oh my gosh. I got the third option there, right? Yeah. So, so uh, you remember, remember that TI had their uh, different speak and spell and on different things like that. So they, they had uh, voice technology back then as far as uh, 
as output. Wow. So all me and my friends did was try to program games on those things. <laughs> I don't think we're doing <laughs> anything voice-wise in there, but I remember TI-994A and it didn't have enough memory. And if you started writing more of a program, the screen started shrinking <laughs> as you wrote code and things because it needed memory for the screen and for your application. So for those younger listeners, you, when you used to develop these old PCs, they had so limited RAM. There's crazy things like on the TI-99. Or a is you you if you needed more RAM you took it away from the screen so uh, boy that goes back to the old days, but that's great Mark you have definitely been in the voice industry for quite a while, um, built a lot but I always have to ask what's the very first uh, probably a skill you built what was the very first skill you built. Well, so one of those things that I was trying to do as I was learning this is I, I wanted to pick a project that I felt could be an impactful and so I picked a. A skill for a nonprofit. It's a large national youth organization, and I wanted to help the members. And so I cr- went ahead and created a voice experience uh, on my own, and then proceeded to try to pitch it to um, to this organization. In fact, I was just giving away for free. I wanted to you know, contribute and, and help out, and and some people were excited about it. But as it kind of went up the chain, then it got more and more uh, resistance <laughs> that people didn't understand the technology back then, and. And that's, I think it's still a challenge sometimes, depending on who you talk to. But it was frustrating in a way that I wanted to give it away and I couldn't even give it away for free. So that was, I learned a lot on that, uh, on that project. And that actually opened up, I've done quite a few projects for nonprofits. Uh, you know, when I'm looking for something to do and need a side project or want to learn some new technology, then I look out for what, uh, what I can do to help some nonprofit and just, uh, donate my time and, and contribute a, a project and a skill or capsule or whatever for them. Got it. Yeah. One of the things that's really impressed me about you is the amount of kind of for social good things you built. You want to describe a couple? So first one you built, you couldn't give away, but can you tell me about a few that are, that are live? Yeah. So I've got some that I've got one that's about suicide uh, prevention. That's on the, the Alexa platform, helping uh, prevent uh, teen suicide. I've got one on gun violence called Mass Shooting Tracker. That's both a Bixby capsule and on the Alexa. And then one encouraging people to serve in their community called Serve More. It's built on the uh, Just Serve platform, which uh, is a nonprofit that uh, just uh, surfaces up information about, you know, at a certain location, what projects are available to work on. So you can get those experiences today and uh, check out serve more and find what you can do to help your community. That's awesome. We all need to spend uh, more time helping our communities and anything, you know, voice enabling something like that just gives people another opportunity and a way to find ways to volunteer and really make their communities better. Talking about Bixby, I know that you've built several Bixby capsules. Uh, you just, I know that serve more is one of them. Can you tell me about a couple of the Bixby experiences you've built? Yeah. So the very first Bixby experience I created uh, is called Squareabouts. It, it was the very first What Three Words project that was done on, on Bixby. And it allows you to find your current location using the What Three Words three-word address location. And so I've, I've got that project. We talked about the Serve More and Mass Shooting Tracker. I also have a one called Family Talk which was based on the you know the facts or the the question and answer uh, template where but uh, it's question starters so you're at the table or in the family room whatever with a family you want to carry on a conversation and just need some sort of conversation starter that's family talk 
And then one of my favorites, uh, I've got a Princess Bride quotes, the unofficial Princess Bride quotes. So that's a big uh, family favorite uh, as far as movies. And so you can get the, the script of the, the whole movie and uh, play a game trying to figure out who said what. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to go do that. I love that movie. You and I have shared that that was a fun capsule to, uh, to build uh, around Princess Bride. You know, one of the things I really like about capsules like Family Talk and that idea is that I see voice as the first really social technology. You know, I interact with my phone, it's one-on-one, or I'm sitting in front of my laptop right now, and that's a one-on-one experience, right? But voice can be inherently social. So whether it's a smart speaker or a device or a phone, but by being voice, many people can engage and and share in it. So I love things that uh, people have built, like Family Talk, where you're saying, let's engage the whole family in something and let's use technology as a kind of uniter of the family instead of, frankly, and I think about this a lot because I have two teen daughters, is sometimes technology isn't always a uniter. Everyone goes off and runs off and looks at their particular technology. That's such amazing things you can build a voice around around being more more social. Right? Yeah, exactly. Technology that makes you more social, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, I, no, I I definitely see that, you know, we're in our household and we're talking as a family about something and maybe we have a point uh, of of discussion that we're we're trying to decide uh, who who did this or, you know, what actor played in this or whatever. And you just uh, involve your voice assistant and say, hey, uh, ask the question and you get the answer back. And then you, you're, you're, it's all part of the con- same conversation that you're having. It's like you... Uh, at different points, bring in your virtual assistant into into the conversation, uh, maybe as the the expert, or maybe as the comic relief when you ask a question and they don't know the, know the answer. Then you're like, okay, whatever. Um, we don't know the answer to that, and so the conversation just goes on. But yeah, I see that. Yeah, that's great. Hey, back to Bixby. Tell me about how you got started with Bixby development. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, we you know uh, met. A few years ago at the Alexa conference, when it was called that instead of uh, Project Voice, and it was really small. There were only about a hundred people there, I think. Right? Right. Yeah, we were in the library, the uh, Chattanooga Public Library, and I guess there was about a hundred of us. Yes, I remember it well. Yeah, I, I think if, if everybody got in the room at the same time, there was probably about a hundred. But yeah, it was uh, it was kind of small. But then uh, we crossed paths again uh, last year at Voice Summit in New Jersey. And uh, we just had a good good time. I was asking you what you were doing at Samsung and what was going on with the Bixby. And you had a hackathon going on. And we just talked and, and really connected again. And, and you talked to me about the Bixby Premier Developer Program. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Maybe I'll do something with uh, Samsung Bixby. And, and you, you know, encouraged me a little bit. And I was like, okay, I'll go ahead and give it a try. And so I jumped in and, and did my first capsule. And that, shortly after that, there was an online um, hackathon. And I just jumped in with that and uh, had a really good time. In fact, Samsung paid for our uh, holiday um, season this year. So all of our Christmas gifts were from things, uh, from the winnings of the, uh, the Bixby Hackathon. Well, our pleasure. So lots of Samsung for Christmas, huh? Yes. We, <laughs> we, we've got a, a robot and a virtual reality headset and everybody got uh, some Galaxy Buds. So. Awesome. So I know you clearly have some deep Alexa expertise and have been developing for that for quite a while. And then you moved over to developing for Bixby. Uh, what was that like? 
Well, so it's been mostly a positive experience. You know, I've had you know thousands of hours of voice development experience over these last four years that I've been doing it. But Bixby approaches things a little bit differently, and uh, there is a learning curve. So I uh, did get some white glove treatment, I felt like, on the first uh, few capsules that I did, especially since documentation was kind of racing to keep up with the the changes in the IDE and each of the new releases. Uh, but but it's been a positive experience. I can see why it, uh, Bixby's doing things a little bit differently. One of the things that, that's been a challenge as a developer, I spend a lot of time in a, a code editor. I'm very comfortable with my you know skills in that area. And th- there's less of that in Bixby. There's still a lot of configuration like technical configuration and those BXP files, there's not a lot of power in, in doing actions locally. The, what's supported for JavaScript isn't, there isn't a lot there, but I, I do see where then pushing out to remote APIs instead of doing a lot of coding locally is the direction that they're going. And that we'll talk about, I think, the Jovo framework a little bit later on. I'm doing some stuff with uh, Bixby and Jovo, and, and that's the approach that they're taking. So learning curve it's been positive still have lots to learn um, especially on the the view side of things or or how how to set up things for dialogue and multilingual and there's just a number of things that i'm still learning on but enjoying it yeah you know i share your when you go from kind of a code first environment which simply alexa is but frankly if you've even done web or mobile right most frameworks there are kind of code first to bixby and it's being model first it's definitely a different paradigm and it takes a takes a little bit of a mental mind shift to get there. It certainly did for me. But talking about voice development in general, Mark, one of the challenges I hear from voice developers or aspiring voice developers is they often wonder what to build. How do you, where do you get your inspiration for what to build? So I've talked about it a little bit uh, already about looking for needs in the community and how I could uh, give back. So I think that's that's an important um, source of inspiration for me is is feeling like I'm uh, participating not only in the voice community itself but in you know in my neighborhood or in the the global community of the world trying to figure out how how we can um, help and give back and and share my technical talents in that direction so that's that's one source other ones is just things that I think I find interesting or I think would be cool or I've always wanted to do so. Um, I'm currently working on a, a game. It's it's a spy game, something that I've wanted to do. It's a voice experience that's going to first come out for Alexa, but I, I see it coming to Bixby soon. Great. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Hey, Mark, so for, you know, kind of aspiring, I'll say Bixby or just in general voice developers, any advice for people just getting started out? Just start from where you are and start learning. I mean, like when I, when I said one of my strengths is learner, and that's uh, something as a software developer, I've just been constantly doing for you know decades as, as new technologies come up, as new problems come out, you know, come up and that uh, able to learn. So you know, when I came across Alexa, I didn't know, you know AWS or how to code. I did have some JavaScript experience on the web, but nothing really with Node. And so I just had to jump in and start learning. So uh, don't be afraid. Uh, everybody's got to start someplace. And of all the communities I've been involved with over the years, <clears throat> the voice community has been very welcoming. And so I'd, I'd say this is a great place to get in to learn. If you don't know a cloud platform, start learning. I'd, uh, just learn enough to get you know first thing done and then learn the next thing and learn the next thing and just uh, don't give up. And I, I see that 
everybody's needed um, that wants to be participating in this. There's lots of good ideas that still haven't been thought up yet or uh, things that haven't been done. So I just uh, encourage you to get involved and, and start something. Yeah, I so much agree with you about the community. It's really, really supportive. Certainly the most supportive development community that I've been involved in. Um, and it doesn't matter. It's cross-platform. Everyone's helping everyone else and wants to see this new way of interacting with tech uh, work and succeed. And, you know, I think you point out it's such a green field, right? Despite the fact that there's been quite a few voice experiences built so far, particularly, well, frankly, on Alexa, there is so much more that can be built and so much more experimentation around ideas and thoughts and ways of, of using voice to interact with technology or using voice and multimodal there. So it's really this wide, wide open area. And we're just in the beginnings of starting to figure out what are new and creative and interesting ways uh, that we can interact with it. So to my mind, it's a green field for developers. But, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think there's, I think there are lots of things still to do and, <clears throat> I commend you on, on not being able to say the, you know, the A voice assistant, you know, on this podcast that, that there's, you know, we need to tip our hat to Alexa and what they've done and, and pushing this out, but I'm definitely not counting Samsung out of the game. So uh, Bixby's catching up on, on different things and are thinking about things in, in different ways. And I think that we can learn from every voice platform out there. There's, there's strengths and, and uh, areas of improvement in, in each voice platform and, um, I, I just think it's it's good to, to learn multiple. Absolutely. And yes, I can use that word. <laughs> I think I already have used the word Alexa or Google <laughs> Assistant. There's no reason why I can't. You know, I really like to talk to people about their voice experiences. And I think that's difficult without talking about the platforms that have been around a lot longer than we have. So no problem at all talking about Alexa or Google Assistant. I highly respect them. They are incredible competitors. I love what they're doing. I love what we're doing. And, you know, right now it's all kind of a rising tide for all. Switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about the Jovo framework. I know you're a big fan of it. And for listeners who don't know, Jovo is a cross-platform framework that allows you to build for Alexa and Google. And just recently, within the last couple of weeks, they released Jobo V3 that enables Bixby as well. Mark, you've done a bunch with the Jovo framework. Can you tell us more about the Jovo framework? Uh, yes. So as a developer, I'm looking for tools that are going to help me do my job easier and get things out faster for our clients. And Jovo has been that for us. They've it's, it's a good tool and there's a good team behind it. I, I've worked quite a bit over the last uh, three years that I've been using Jovo with the team and uh, working on on the the project it's an open source project which is awesome you can build your own plugins and extensions for it which i've done in certain situations and it just lets you share a lot of common code across voice platforms they've done it in a smart way it's able to with the same code base it can detect the request coming in and which platform it belongs to and then uh, you get access in, in those cases where the response for the intent or for the action is going to be exactly the same across platforms. Then you can go ahead and just give that uh, that response back. It's 100% code share. But in other cases, uh, it's not one of those least common denominator frameworks where only what all the platforms can do is what the 
the framework can do. This framework uh, allows you to then say, oh, if it's Alexa, then I want you to do this. If it's Google or if it's Bixby, I want you to, to do things a little bit differently. And so in those areas where you have uh, uh, different permissions or calling out to things differently, then you have the ability to, to go ahead and do that in the framework and get that full power out of it and then share as much code as you, as you can. And it's, it's been a great tool for us. So when I think about voice development, I think about, you know, there's your natural language model, there's your natural language generation. So that's the input and the output. And then I'm simplifying things a lot here. And then there's in the middle, right? All your kind of you know, event handling and business logic. Maybe you can describe for the listeners a little bit where Jovo fits in that, what it does or what it doesn't do along those lines. Okay. So uh, there's the language model piece, which is what can the voice assistant understand? So that would be in utterances that then get turned into intents or actions, depending on which platform you're on. And there's actually a common format or structure that Jovo has for that. And, and you can do that format and for all of your intents. And when you deploy to Alexa or when you uh, deploy to Google Assistant, then it uh, builds the, the language model based on which platform you're at. So then you can deploy that. That's usually something that's uh, deployed once ahead of time. And then the training in Bixby is a little bit different. So there's not that capability to do that. And I don't know that there would be. There's a, That's one of the differentiators with the way Bixby's approaching things is their model first and the way that they're doing their training. So that may or may not uh, match up in the future. And then but the biggest part is that every time that uh, you're interacting with a voice assistant, you're uh, invoking, you're uh, answering a question, you're giving a command, that's a request, and then it goes around trip, and then the assistant picks it up and gives you back a response, and that's uh, formatted text speech usually or audio content. So that's where Jovo fits in, is right in that, that spot where every re- request or interaction or turn in your conversation is going to go through this Jovo framework, and then you get to figure out how you're going to handle it. You can determine what's going on in a session. You can set up a state. So when you answer yes or no in one situation, it's different than yes or no in a different context. You can save user preferences or, or information to persist across invocations. And there's just lots of powers of things that you can do tie into content management systems or different database backends. You can host that. It's written uh, in JavaScript and and in Node, and so then you can host that in various cloud uh, platforms or your own servers if you want. Great. So, Mark, would you use Jovo for everything in your future development, or are there times when you go need to go back to using kind of pure native frameworks? For a particular experience? I have not seen a need. I Like I said, I've been using Jovo for three years now, and I use it for everything. Even a project that I, I'm just starting off with, you know, like the client maybe has a request that it's in one platform only, I do it in Jovo because in the future, if they want to add platform two or platform three, you know, different voice assistants to it, then it were already set up to allow to do that. And that's just a, a smart approach to cost savings to them and, and a lot uh, less work for development team. So I really see Jovo as a gem in the voice industry. And I think all of the voice developers should check it out. You know, the critical advantage there is cross-platform development. So build once, deploy many places. Maybe you need to tweak the code a little bit 
for the individual platforms, but that's super, super powerful. Speaking of cross-platform development, you are the creator of a tool, Speech Markdown. Can you tell our listeners more about what Speech Markdown is? Sure. So we talked about the you know two main uh, input versus output on a voice conversation. So language model is coming in and the um, speech output, I guess, is coming back out. The And that's usually text-to-speech. So it takes whatever you, you know, type in as far as this is the response in this situation during this conversation, you might want to format that instead of just reading it out one sentence after another sentence, you could put breaks or pauses in between different content or emphasize a word or a phrase, you play audio file. <clears throat> so like if you're doing a game, maybe you want to play some audio content, like a you know, little sound clip or something before the, the text to speech. So all that can happen. All that formatting is done in a language called SSML, which is speech synthesis markup language. It's been around for well over a decade and used in other scenarios. And then when voice assistants came out, then they adopted SSML. And if you look at SSML, it is very similar, I guess, syntax-wise. It's you know, XML-based or it's like HTML if you wanted to use an analogy. So in HTML that you can say, I want this font to be you know, bold or I, you know, I want it to be underscore or you, there's different things that you can do to, to make HTML be formatted. So SSML allows you to do that, but there are some, there are some complexities to using SSML. It, it is more geared towards a developer or a, a designer at least. <clears throat> and if you think about content on the web, there's a whole bunch of people that are creating content that are not technical at all. They're, they're the content authors. And so I, it started out of a need for, uh, we wanted to update content on a project and not have the developers involved because every time a developer touches uh, content, it's, it's dollars, it's higher dollars than somebody else. So if that content is in code or it's in a database or something that the developer has to touch, then it's more expensive. So kind of thinking about all of those different things, I thought Speech Markdown is a way to format text-to-speech in a way that's simpler than SSML, in a way that a developer doesn't have to touch it. It's for content authors. It could also be used for developers or designers, but it's a simpler format. And then the last piece that uh, Speech Markdown tries to handle is the fact that different platforms support different elements of SSML. They don't support the whole spec and they don't support it exactly the same way. And then they've been even adding custom you know, tags to it. So the idea with the speech markdown is that you'll be able to, similar to how Jovo says, let's share one code base. If we were to write all the text-to-speech in this language called speech markdown, then it could translate and be formatted depending on which platform you're talking to. So if if you got some some tags in here and Alexa supports it, then it will go ahead and output those tags in Alexa. If Google supports it the same, if they don't, then it will either exclude it or try to do a smart equivalent of it. And just recently we added Bixby to that. There's not a lot of SSML tags that Bixby supports, so we need to still have that conversation, Roger. But Speech Markdown lets you simplify things. And you can you can check it out at speechmarkdown.org and or or hit me on social media and we can talk about it. Yeah, just a quick comment. 
uh, stay tuned. I think this spring will be really interesting. I'll leave it at that, SSML-wise and Bixby. Okay, all right, I'm looking forward to it. We're already <laughs> geared right. up uh, to support it. So so th this is interesting, and uh, you might find this interesting. We had an existing Alexa project that uh, we're working on, and there were probably about uh, 20, with all the different output, you know, text content, text-to-speech content that we had, there were probably about 25 situations where we had added SSML mm -hmm. to it. And, uh, and the, the, probably boiling it down to may, maybe five tags, you know, something, definitely a break, an audio tag, emphasis, some things where it says out the numbers, you know, like a countdown, three, two, one, as say opposed as, to yeah, right. say as and stuff. And so I was wanting to go ahead and, and start using this new Bixby Jovo uh, implementation and and so I want, wanted to go against the exact same code base, but then I kept getting responses back that had SSML that didn't that Bixby didn't support uh, yet. Sounds like, and uh, so I I went went ahead and created a formatter inside of Speech Markdown for Bixby, and basically what happens is in the case of an audio tag, it outputs that or you know base formats it from Speech Markdown into SSML audio tag. And everything else, it just ignores. And so I was able to, well, within uh, a few hours, go ahead and create the, this addition to Speech Markdown for Bixby platform. And now as SSML tags are added to um, Bixby, we can go ahead and add that into our formatter and it'll just keep working. Fabulous. Thank you for doing that. And uh, we're going to keep you busy. <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> so one of the things I love about, well, Jovo's open source, but also Speech Markdown is open source, which I think is great. And frankly, in the voice industry, there's not as many open source frameworks as, for instance, I came from a web mobile background and there's just so many. But I think more will be coming, but I'm curious about what's your experience been with open source development? It's been good. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've, like I said, I've used Jovo with their open source. I've been able to extend or, you know, contribute, whether it be to, you know, the documentation on the website or new features, pull requests for, for features, core features inside of uh, Jovo, but also in doing the speech markdown, I went ahead and created a, a plugin, a Jovo a plugin for Speech Markdown. So now all you have to do is include that plugin as you're, you're you know, setting up Jovo for the first time, and then it just translates any of your content. It assumes that it's Speech Markdown and translates that into SSML for you automatically just before output. And but it's been good. So we've got a number of projects underneath the Speech Markdown umbrella. Like I say, you can go to speechmarkdown.org, and there's a link there. Or on GitHub, there's a community or organization called Speech Markdown. And there's a number of projects there. I've seen you know, people contribute to the core Speech Markdown library. I've seen people create their own or different tools where it includes uh, Speech Markdown in it. So, so it's only been about a year since uh, Voice Summit. And there's been a lot of things. So that's, that's when I first talked about Speech Markdown out openly and got the website and everything all ready to go. For that, but since then, I've had people helping out on the projects that I've done. There's been people that have created their own projects and like a Visual Studio Code plugin to help you with uh, formatting or of Speech Markdown inside of your projects. I just got something today 
uh, from somebody else who uh, is doing something with the, the speech park down. So I just like the fact that uh, people are getting excited about it and contributing. Thank you, everybody. That's, that's helping out. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, uh, Mark, you nailed something that was kind of really sorely needed in this industry, right? Oh. As the platforms are a bit splintered, and hopefully that will change over time. But with support for, you know, kind of the official SSML spec, it's nice to have something that I can write in speech markdown, which I'm assuming is based on, you know, the reference to markdown, which any blogger or anyone's done a GitHub readme knows well, uh, is where you got the name for it. But it's the same idea, is a simplified version of something that's easier to write. Uh, and then it will just work and then the platform. And you can look at, there's a, there's a history page on the website that, that talks to you about it, but this came out of some real need and projects that I've had where it's, we've wanted to do things cross platform, but then you have to, like, what do I do in this situation where this platform supports it and this other platform doesn't, do I have multiple assets, you know, text assets that I have to, to maintain separately? Or what do I do in the situation where I'm, I'm trying to, you know, develop and I've, I'm in this coding flow and I have to remember, oh, it's open tag, break, space, time equals. Whereas these tags are so simple, I can just do square brackets, one S, and now I have a one second uh, pause in the middle of my text content. I don't have to stop and think about that. I just, you know, keep moving and, and I'm thinking through how this is sounding in my head and I'm like, oh, this is probably going to need a pause here and, and just keep going. doesn't uh, break my flow with having to, to do the XML type syntax. Plus, if you're looking at the content, if you've got something uh, like SSML that, that's got nesting of tags inside of tags, <laughs> there's just so much tags, you lose the content for the tags. So the markup you know, just jumbles it up. Whereas with, uh, with Speech Markdown, they're so simple that you can just keep on reading the, the content and like, oh, okay, this is, this is going to be emphasized or this is going to be a, a pause or something. And it, it doesn't get in the way of the content. Totally makes sense. And what you're saying is focus on the content, not yep. on the markup around the content. And content should be where the focus is. So I think Speech Markdown is an awesome tool. And if you're a voice developer listening to this, you should be checking it out and you should start using it. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the feature of voice. So I'm going to talk about Bixby first. So currently Bixby is on... Uh, all of our major smartphones, but the marketplace is coming to TVs, watches, and smart appliances later this year. What of these get you excited, or where? What of these new devices do you think you could build something interesting and different on? All right. So the two areas that I'm watching are watches and TVs. So watches, for the reason why you're that you're out and about, it's uh, something that you have easy access to. Once again, you don't need to get your phone out. To, to get to Bixby, you could just use your watch to tap and talk and 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 get the information that you need to. It's it's it has a screen, so you can have some uh, display content on it. So that's one area that I'm looking uh, forward to thinking about how my existing Bixby capsules will be able to work on the watches and what things might be different. The other aspect that's really interesting to me is the TV. You talked about uh, voice being a social experience. I think about you know friends coming over and they're playing some sort of a board game or a card game. That's usually two, four, maybe six people. But if you want 
and it's you know around a table or something. But if you wanted to move that game experience into like the family room where there's the TV on the wall and you could even have more people, you know, you could have 20 people, right? In a family room, for example. And if you could do some sort of a voice plus screen experience on the TV, I think that's, uh, that's big. Uh, I just have to say, couldn't agree more. I get really excited about the TV because I think you're right kind of a social experience with the TV being an enabler of that, whether it's a big part of the experience or it's just a helper in that experience. What a cool idea. Because clearly the TV now is a really passive thing. But if you can make it interactive with multiple people and there's a giant screen there, I think there's so many creative ideas that can be built and have yet to be invented. But Mark, for the voice industry in general, what else are you excited about? What would you like to see happen over the next year or so? Oh, as a developer, I guess I see uh, the things that are are currently available in, in, in platforms. Maybe they're available only for what would be considered first party or built-in you know, core features of the platform, as opposed to third party or custom experiences that you build through skills or capsules or, or actions. So I'm things I'm looking at. I guess I look in the weeds quite a bit and say, I, I wish I had this next feature because I want to. I want to be able to do this thing. So all the things that I'm I'm thinking about are are things that will show up in voice experiences. But you know, developers are are excited about it or want that to be available. I guess I'll do a shout out. I've been uh, doing something for the last you know, thirty plus days on on Twitter about a feature for Alexa. They have the ability to have routines which are could be triggered by multiple things it could be an alarm or it could be a voice command there you know could be multiple things and and one of those abilities is to kick off a skill based on that trigger and there's not an ability to do like a deep trigger into a specific as if you had said a specific word or phrase or you know triggered a specific intent I see that need, you know, across platforms, this, this whole idea of routines uh, for each of the different platforms or even across platforms. What if you're a multi-platform household where mm-hmm. you want to be able to do uh, different things and have multiple things happen because of an event, but some of those things are, are smart, smart home devices. Some of them are, you know, voice uh, experience assistant one and voice experience assistant two, right? So I guess just, more features that are that'll let you know developers do the things that they need to do on voice experiences and open up the platform more with capabilities. There's always more features. I've you know got a list of fifty plus things I'd wish were in different platforms that aren't quite there yet. Which is great, and you are a huge resource of the community because I know you're a passionate advocate about some features that you see as an experienced voice developer that you'd like to see in these different platforms. And I, just a comment on those, those routines, I just love the idea of enabling. And that's really an end user feature, right? Enabling an end user yeah. to tie together a bunch of things to kind of personalize their experience. So um, and I'll say, you got to go check out Bixby Routines. We can do some pretty cool stuff. But off of that, <laughs> well, the, quick well, ad there. But, but, but we're still talking about that. Just the personalization thing. One of the things that I really like about Bixby is this idea that there really is no 1P, 3P experience. Mm-hmm. So when, when Samsung's creating a capsule for use on the platform, 
it's the same tooling and the same, you know, potential capabilities that you have as a developer. Not only that, um, there's this idea of preferences, or I, I think you're calling them natural language categories, where in different categories, if your capsule can do certain things, like uh, book a, a ride share or make a reservation or different the different categories, then your um, ex- voice experience can compete with all the other voice experiences on the same uh, platform or on the same like an e- equal footing. And me, as I'm using it, my preference might be for like Uber, and somebody else's might preference might be for Lyft or or whatever it is. And then that experience becomes very personal to me, that the things that are important to me and the way that I use the voice assistant is more personalized and customized to me. And I, I, that is really exciting to me. Thank you. Yeah, we're real excited about natural language categories for the reasons you said, right, is around one, enabling users to make their choice, right? I like to use Lyft versus Uber, or I like to use this particular weather capsule, et cetera, et cetera. And I can choose who I want my provider to be by default, but I can always use the other one by invoking it by name. And then the other thing is kind of helping discovery. So if I use a capsule that can be in a category and then I enable as the default for that category, I no longer have to use the name in that capsule. I just use that utterance that matches that category and that capsule will directly answer it. So thank you for the call out. We're super excited about that. Voice industry, five, 10 years, kind of longer time frame. Where would you like to see it go? Where do you think it's going to be going? All right. This is, this is going to sound a little geeky for, for everybody, but... We're in the tech podcast. <laughs> I know. But I guess many years of watching Star Trek Next Generation and well, even the Star Trek movies too, their interaction with the computer on there was just so seamless whether it be a question is like where is where is somebody located or what's the answer to this or do this calculation and get back to me with the answer we're we're not there yet i know that's science fiction and you know it's been that's actually decades old science fiction but we're not there yet so until we get to the standard of interactivity and flow that you get from the example of star trek computers then i think that's that's our goal is to get to that point Got it. I think uh, many of us share that and, and grew up with uh, Star Trek and see that as kind of the future and would love to, to, to see it. There's a funny uh, scene in one of the Star Treks where uh, I think it's Scotty picks up a mouse and starts talking to it and it doesn't answer <laughs> back. I can't remember what Star Trek that is, but it's uh, that one is, of the... That's the, 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 the Wells one. Ah, okay. Okay. I do remember that scene and remember laughing about that. <laughs> so you build a bunch of voice experiences before you go i want you to tell me about one or two voice experiences that you haven't built that you really really enjoy okay so uh two areas that i well, want to bring up one really quickly is you know i i use invoked apps different sleep sounds at times to for sleeping and just i think that's uh, a very you know used uh use case for that that's very practical but i've also been looking at voice experiences in the car so when I'm out running errands or if I have to do a commute or something, then I will typically bring up wait, wait quiz and then question of the day. And even depending on how long it is, drive time, 
So those experiences that uh, are entertaining, informative, and uh, allow me to to do something other than listen to music um, or podcasts. I guess those are the other options in the car. But looking at the in-game uh, quiz or game experience, uh, those those are ones that I've enjoyed lately. So getting a good night's sleep and entertaining yourself on your commute. Yep. <laughs> Got it. Now those are two great, great kind of voice first experiences where voice makes so much sense, right? The, the sleeps, I love sleep sounds and uh, I have a long commute and I sympathize with thinking about ways to entertain yourself on your commute and voice <laughs> is such a great way to, to do that. And there's so much innovation that's been done there and so much to come. So we need to wrap up running out of time because I think you and I could probably talk for a couple oh, hours. Could. <laughs> but Mark, if people want to keep in contact with you, what's the best way to do so? So I'm um, active on Twitter. So uh, my Twitter handle is Mark Tucker, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Tucker M. And uh, you can ask questions or reply or uh, DM me there and I'll get back to you. Sounds great. And I will put links to all of those in the show notes, um, as well as some links to Speech Markdown and Jovo. So every link that we've talked about will definitely be in those show notes. Hey, Mark. Thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure talking about voice, Bixby, Jovo, speech markdown, uh, going back to the 80s and talking about TI-99 forays <laughs> and, and our experience in the, over, over the years. I've loved talking to you. Keep on really being just such a shining beacon for the voice industry and such a resource for everyone. Well, thanks, Roger. This has just been a lot of fun, and I appreciate what you're doing uh, for the community with uh, this podcast, as well as uh, all the different help that you're giving to uh, Bixby developers. Well, thanks, Mark. And that's all, folks. Till next time, this is Roger Kibbe of the Bixby Developers Chat Podcast, signing off.